Revelation's an interesting book. Actually, honestly, when I when I was praying and preparing our preaching series, one of the things I, I tell you often is one of my jobs as a pastor is to shepherd you. And and sort of the you know the, the illustration of a shepherd and pastor together really is a lot of what I do. My job is to sort of as a shepherd sort of you know bring you onto different hillsides. And let you feed there, and you know, asking God, God, what you know, what do we need? What what does this church need? What do the people who call this place home need? And I was praying and preparing for this summer's preaching series, and Galatians, honestly, is one of the books that changed my life. I grew up in church, third generation, fourth generation, actually saved my my great grandmother. Uh, found found the Lord, got saved in a little spirit filled church in Arkansas, in southeast corner of Arkansas, and. So raised around church and, and sort of, you know, got, got saved. What I thought I got saved at an early age. Gave my heart to the Lord. Got baptized and at an early age. But really, and entered ministry very young and early. But really, it took me sort of into my 20s to really develop, you know, who God had called me to be. And I don't know about you, but I learned a whole lot in that season just about who God was and some misconceptions I had about God. And Galatians is one of those books that sort of opened my eyes to who God really was what the gospel really was all about, and what Christian living was all about. And so I hope that it does that for you. Over the course of the next several weeks together, I hope that it really opens your eyes to the freedom that you and I have in Christ. Now listen, it's not freedom is not license. Liberty is not license. And we'll, we'll talk about sort of that as we walk through the book of Galatians. But Galatians is kind of this, this you know, Paul writes this letter to the church Really, uh, sort of as a stand against legalism and against religion. And one of the things that I love about City Hills, the reason I would come to this church if I didn't work here, is because this church is not built on religion. It's not built on where you come from or what denomination I'm a part of or you're a part of. It's built on the relationship that I want you to have with Jesus Christ. It's not built on rules and regulations. And the book of Galatians sort of is that kind of Letter. So if you're new to the Bible, Galatians is written by Paul, who is an apostle. Apostle just means he's not a local pastor, doesn't pastor a local congregation. Paul is, as an apostle, he's a church planter. One of the reasons I love preaching Pauline letters is because he's a church planter. Plants churches all over Asia and the known world. And, and then he would move around after he planted those churches, set pastors and leaders and elders in those local churches. Then he would use the technology of the day, which was, which was letter writing. And, and he would write letters to them and sort of oversee them as an apostle. And he would uh, correct them and he would you know, help them. Sometimes they were written to people, like the book of Timothy is written to a local pastor. It's written you know, to, to the church that Timothy pastors, and it's, it's written right to, to Timothy. And there's other times it's written to a group of churches. Galatians is actually written to a group of churches, not just one church, but uh, Paul would address all of the churches in Galatia, which is in, uh, if you're looking at a map, it's in modern-day Turkey, is uh, most of where Galatia is, and, and, and the Galatian churches were. These are actually Celtic people who had sort of migrated down to what was known as Asia Minor, and Paul brings the gospel there and plants a bunch of churches, and, and when, when Paul would write these letters to the churches that he had planted, he would use them for correction and deal with issues and deal with, you know, the problems in the church or problems that people were having or, you know, pr- problems that were sort of arising in culture, and, 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 and their, their issues, what you'll find as, you, as we study through the New Testament, is the issues that the churches faced 2,000 years ago are the same issues that we face today. 
the issues that Paul would write in Galatians are some of the same issues that you and I face today. Honestly, I think it, it may even be more relevant today than you and I really realize how relevant it is to our life. And so Galatians is written to this church in Galatia, and their issue is this. Listen close. So Paul is correcting this issue of these several churches that he's planted in modern-day Turkey. And the issue is that after Paul plants these churches, he leaves there. So he's there for, you know, however long he's there, several months, several years in some cases, on these missionary journeys, and he, and he plants these churches, sets pastors. But after he leaves, there are Jewish Christians who come from Jerusalem, James, who's the brother of Jesus, is, is the apostle in Jerusalem, and he sort of oversees all of these converted Jews who now given their heart to Jesus, believed in Jesus as the Messiah, and, and, and James and his group from Jerusalem sends people up to Galatia, up to, to, to these churches that Paul had just planted, and they sort of confuse the doctrine that Paul had given these churches. Paul had set up, the, you know, and, and had given them very, very clear instructions about you know, who they were and their, their responsibility as Christians, their liberty as Christians. And then these Jewish Christians, these converted Jews, sort of make their way up from Jerusalem, and they start confusing. And they add a bunch of rules and a bunch of stuff to these Gentiles, these, these Christians who have believed in Galatia. And that's sort of the context for Paul writing this Galatian letter and saying, hey, I want to correct what you've heard. As a matter of fact, this is such a big deal. They had a, a whole meeting about this in Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in a, in, in a moment. But, but Paul really had to correct this, and that's sort of where we'll begin. If you have your Bibles, Galatians, the first chapter. If not, you can follow along on the screen here. Galatians 1 and 1 says, uh, this letter is from, I'm sorry, go back. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. So he sort of sets this up that I wrote this. This is me. And... The authority that he has. He said, I wasn't appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, now wait just a minute because this is super important that Paul sort of, he sort of stands up in the very beginning and goes, hey, just so you know, my authority comes from God alone. It doesn't come from a denomination. Nobody in Jerusalem said, hey, you need to go handle this. Nobody, nobody tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, this is, and listen, I'm not anti-denomination or organized or anything like that, but at the end of the day, I want to be spirit-led. I want to lead you on the authority that Jesus Christ has given us and nobody else. Shout amen to that, everybody. So Paul sort of sets himself up and says, hey, just so you know, you know, nobody met with me and said this. The authority that I have comes straight from Jesus Christ Himself. He says, next verse. And all the brothers and sisters here where he's writing this from, all the brothers and sisters here, most, most theologians believe he's in Macedonia when he writes this. They join me in sending this letter to the churches in Galatia. Again, multiple churches that he's planted there. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then, and then he sort of has this... Uh, really, uh, he just jumps right into, hey, this is the reason why I'm writing you. So the first thing you got to know is Jesus gives me this authority. And then he addresses, really, the central theme of Galatians. So I want to set up our, our message series, our time together in Galatians, with, the, with this message today. And honestly, I believe this message today, if you're looking for one foundational message to build your Christianity on, or you want to know what this church is all about, I really think today may be the day. I think you picked the best day. Uh, to sort of say that, you know, this is what, this is how uh, I, I, we believe. And, and this is honestly uh, the difference in maybe this church and another church experience you've had. And this is something I think you can build your life on. Because Paul 
goes right in on why this is so important that he writes to the church in Galatia. In verse 6, he says this, I am astonished, he goes right in, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. So I'm astonished at how quickly when I left you, these Jewish Christians come in, and they, and, and they tell you, you know, that you've got all these other rules. They lay this other stuff on top of you. I'm astonished about how quickly you turn around from the grace of Christ and are turning to, here's the operative word, and what really what I want you to underline in your Bible, to a different gospel. In other words, Paul says there's two gospels. There's the true gospel that I gave you. And then there's this different gospel that now you've been given by these Jewish Christians who he says really is no gospel at all. Because gospel means good news, and honestly what they're laying on you isn't good news. Evidently, some people, these these Jewish Christians, are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So so here's what happened. Let me give you sort of the synopsis and the the, the idea of what happens. Paul is preached, when when he plants these churches in Galatia, Paul tells them, you are saved by grace through faith alone. Everybody shout amen to that. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to, there's there's no amount of money you can give. There's no amount of works you can do. Jesus, the Son of the living God, came, died for your sins, rose again, and your faith in Him saves you in that alone. God adopts you into his family and that alone. And these Jewish Christians follow him up and, and they go to these churches in Galatia and they, and they have a meeting with all of the church leaders there and they say, hey, what Paul said is awesome. That's so good. We're so glad you're in. Welcome to the club. But we're the, we're the real Christians. Like we're Jews who became Christians and Jesus was a Jew. And so we, we sort of, we have more than you have and, and we've got something that that you need to add to. Literally, they told them, Jesus is not all there is. That there's more to salvation than just, than just Jesus. You need to follow some of the rules that we've been following as well. You need, to, you need to be a Jew and a Christian together at the same time, just like we are. It's the only way you can be a Christian is if you observe our stuff. And, and, and I hope there's not young ears, but let, let me try. I won't be crude. But rule number one that, that Paul had to address in Galatia these Jewish Christians come up and tell everybody that you can believe in Jesus, but you have to be circumcised. Don't go Google that right now where you're sitting. You have, that's, that's, that's the rule. That's the first rule they said. It's, it's great. I love that you're in the club. Welcome to the club, everybody. But if you're not circumcised, then you can't be a real Christian like we were. Now, here's the problem with that. Everybody looking at my eyes. All of those Jewish men who were Christians now were circumcised on the eighth day of their life. They were eight days old. That's not so bad. But when you're 45 and you just believe in Jesus... And these Christians come along going, hey, by the way, believing in him is not enough. We got this other thing. We want. Can you imagine growth track in Galatia? All the dudes are in the cars going, listen, baby, I'm going to sit this one out. You go join in there, okay? You sign up, everybody. Because they got knives at growth track, everybody, and because that's how you had to join the church. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you an honest truth here. This is exactly what they did. I'd love, to be, <laughs> I'd love for you to be a member at the church, but there's a surgery. And all these dudes in Galatia are going, I, listen, I was all with you until this last part right here. I was like, I was down that Jesus is the Son of God. I was down that He died and He rose again, but I'm not down on this. And so Paul has to address this, you know, this, this sort of issue. As a matter of fact, in Acts, the 15th chapter, they have this whole summit about this. It's called the Jerusalem Council. 
Paul goes down to Jerusalem, deals with James about this. They have this meeting about what it is that we're going to require all these Gentiles who are coming to God. Probably one of my favorite life verses comes out of Acts 15. Acts 15 and 9, when, when they said, James makes this, this declaration that it's, it's our declaration, therefore, that we will not make it hard on these Gentiles who are coming to God. That's, that's the Bible verse. We will not make it hard on these Gentiles who are coming to God. Because they were adding so much. They were, there was literally a different gospel. That Jesus wasn't enough. That there's more to that. And honestly, the whole question of the book of Galatians, the key question, if you're taking notes, write this down. The key question of the book of Galatians is this. And I think the key question in your life is, how do I become godly? How am I going to get to God? The gospel is the avenue by which I get to God. It's the avenue by which I become godly. How am I going to do that? And this is the question that we're all going to have to answer is how do I become godly? Because there is a path to God. There, everybody's, all religion has a path to God. And Paul says there's this false gospel that people are propagating that's really not much different than any other religion, which means you have to do a bunch of stuff, add a bunch of rules, live this. If, if you'll do this and you'll list the rules right here and you'll follow the rules, then you can get to God. And Paul said that's not the gospel that I presented to you. Matter of fact, it's no gospel at all. The, the, the true gospel is like nothing else on earth because you can't earn it. And every other major religion, including Judaism, when they had to get to God, it was by working. And Paul said, listen, it, the, how you're going to become godly can't be by what you do. There's this always, and, and I, think, I think a lot of people in Christianity today have this false understanding of the gospel. They have this false understanding of how you get to God. And how you become godly. And I think it goes all the way back to the beginning. And honestly, I think this, this topic that Paul is addressing in the book of Galatians has its beginning in the Garden of Eden. I think it's the choice that every person has to make. I think it's the choice you have to make in this church today. And I want to walk you through the first story in the book of Genesis to help you understand the first story in the book of Galatians. Genesis, the second chapter, God has created all of heaven and earth. He's created male and female, Adam and Eve. And then he's, he's put them in a garden. Genesis 2 and 8 says this, The Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put a man that he had formed. Adam is there. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. You know that. And in the middle of the garden, now listen close, because I don't want you to get confused here. In the middle of the garden... There were two trees. One of them is the tree of life. Underline that in your Bible. And then the other one is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One of them is the tree of life. One of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Most people falsely think that the two trees in the garden, one's a good tree and one's an evil tree. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said one of them is the tree of life. It gives you life. And one of them is the tree of the knowledge, just the awakening of good and evil. There's this tree of life that you can eat of, that, that, that God planted in the garden, that's available for you, that gives you life, that's a life-giving relationship. And there's a tree of knowledge, of rules, of this is how it's got to be. And honestly, I think these are the two Gospels Paul is, I think these are the two Gospels that everybody in your life faces. If you've been around Christianity very long, I think you've been faced with one of these two options. You are either presented with a relationship from the tree of life, 
a life-giving relationship that's powerful and deep and intimate and personal and life-changing. Changes everything about you. It's about you and God. And then there's another way to approach God. Listen, both of these are a way to approach God. There's another way that you can have the knowledge of good and evil. This is by your intellect and this is by what I know and this is by following the rules. And you can, the, both of these are in the garden and both of these are the choice. And I think this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians. There's this one gospel that's the tree of life that if you'll eat from it, it's life-giving to you. And then there's this one gospel that you can use your intellect and rules and all this stuff and try to get to God that way. And there are people in this room today that that's how you've tried to get to God. By following the rules, how am I going to become godly? How am I, how am I going to get to God if I follow the rules just right? If I, if I do religion just right? Now, here's the thing. I think, I really think as a culture where, where people are fed up with religion and trying to get to God with the knowledge of good and evil. But it's happened from the very beginning. And so God continues on. And the Lord God commanded the man, verse 16, the Lord God commanded Adam. And he said, you're free to eat from any tree, any, including the tree of life, by the way, in the garden, But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now look into my eyes. When you try to get to God with your own intellect and your own smarts and your own way and your own rules and your own works, it will always result in dead, cold, dry, spiritual death. Shout amen to that, everybody. Some of you spent 20, 30, 50 years of your life trying to get to God this way by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not an evil tree. It's, an, it's a tree of work. It's a tree of I'll use my own knowledge. I'll do it this way. I'll write down all the rules. I'll keep all the rules. I'll do it just right so that I can get to God. And the Bible said if you eat of that tree... There's just death on the other side of that. It's cold. You, you, if you try to follow the rules, if you try to do the right and the wrong, and you do it in your own strength, it will always bring you death. And more people than not walk into the doors of this church having that experience with God. One of the things I think people like about City Hills is that, that this is not a church that points that I will never, this will never be a church where I point my finger at you and tell you how bad you are. How wrong you are. What a terrible person you are. How you're going to go to hell if you don't get right right now. Everybody turn or burn right now. That's just not the kind of church this is. Listen, you can live your life that way, but 50, 60, 70 years later, you will be spiritually dry and dead. Your whole spiritual life dries up if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want this to be a place that speaks life over you, that tells you God's for you and not against you, that there's a power available to you where you can have a life-giving, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. And God says you can't do that. You can't eat of that tree. Now, now, verse 3, now our enemy is in the picture, uh, chapter 3, and the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, which is interesting that, that he goes to her first because God tells Adam something and the enemy goes to his wife to try to convince her. Let me tell you, married folks, I'm not preaching marriage, but let me tell you what the enemy wants to do. Divide you and your spouse on spiritual matters. He doesn't want to. She doesn't want to. And so, so Ad, God tells Adam the rule, and the serpent goes to Eve. And he says to the woman, did God really say? 
Which the reason I highlighted this, the reason I want you to underline this in your Bible, if you want to know what the, the enemy's number one tactic in your life is, it is not, it's, it's not to try to kill you. It's not to, it's, the enemy's number one tactic is to get you to doubt what God really said about you. That's his first, it's the first thing he ever did, and I think he does it every time he comes to your life. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, listen, we can eat any tree, we can eat any fruit from any of the trees in the garden. But God did say that you can't eat from the fruit, you can't eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And and then she said something that God did not say, you must not touch it or you will surely die. Leave it right here. By the way... Religion always adds to what God said. God never said you couldn't touch it, but religion always adds more than what God really said. So she says, God said I couldn't eat it, and He said I couldn't touch it. Isn't He a mean God? You will not surely die. This is what the enemy says to her. You will not surely die. One verse, one little word. God said you will. The enemy said you will not. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. So God sort of, God knows what, listen, God knows what happens here. Your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like God. Now listen, the, the motivation for her eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not rebellion. It was godliness. The, tr- the motivation for religion is not rebellion. It's for you to get to God. And the enemy knows he can't get you to cheat on your wife, get addicted to something, mess up so bad, kill somebody, destroy something, lie, cheat. He can't get you to do that. So here's what he'll get you to do. He'll try to get you to get to God the hard way. If he can't, I feel like preaching, my God, i got to calm down. If he can't get you deceived, listen close. if he can't get you deceived into sinning, he'll just get you worn out trying to get to God. And frustrated at how hard it is to keep the rules. And he said, you'll be like God. God knows. He's hiding something from you. If he does that, then you'll try to get to God. And then listen close. This is such a powerful truth. Then the enemy wraps a temptation in a truth. He wraps this temptation inside of this truth. And so the woman sees the fruit of the tree and it looks good. And it looks pleasing. And it looks desirable for gaining wisdom. He wraps temptation in a truth. And then she took some and ate it. And so now there's sin. Now he's got you to try to get to God your own way. Now he's convinced you that this is, listen, I know, I know he said that you couldn't do this. I know there's a tree of life that you could eat from that gives you life, that's passionate, that's personal, that's, that's a life-giving relationship. But I want you to try to get to God this other way. He did not appeal to her desire to rebel, and he will not appeal to your desire to rebel. He will appeal to your, your desire to be godly. That is the question of the book of Galatians, and I think it's the question for you today. Is how am I going to get to God? And so now she takes it. So now she gives some to her husband, Adam, who was with her. So he heard the whole conversation, by the way, all the passive men in the room. And he ate it. That was a sucker punch. I didn't mean to hurt that hard. That, that was, I, didn't, I didn't mean for that. And he ate the, and he ate the fruit that, that she took there. And then the eyes of both of them are open. Listen to the words there. The eyes of both of them are open. And they realized... 
that they were naked. Now suddenly there's this new perspective on God. There's this eye-opening realization, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, look how bad I am. Look how terrible I am. What's wrong with me? And so they sold together fig leaves and they made coverings. for. Now there's shame. Religion's number one goal, listen, is to shame you that you're not good enough for God. That God can't see you. That God, God can't, that you're terrible, you're nasty, you're dirty, you're filthy. There's no, you can't ever get it right. And some of you have lived your whole life bound by religion, believing that I'm not good enough for God to get to me. And, and, and Paul is writing to the Galatian church, and he's addressing the same exact issue that's happened from the Garden of Eden. That you've got a choice between the tree of life and this freedom that comes in Christ and this other way to get to God, which is a, it opens your eyes, but, but it's a perspective that says, I can do it in my own way. i got to cover myself up. i got to obey. i got to do this right thing. This is the greatest temptation of Christians, listen to me, is to try to get to God your way. The greatest temptation of Christians is for you to try to get to God in your own strength. For you to try to get it right. For you to try to obey the rules by yourself. I almost called this message the death by religion. Because I really think so many people get to a life-giving church dead by religion. Trying to do it all themselves. Because the greatest temptation of a Christian is to try to be godly by our own knowledge. It's just it's to take the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and say, I think I can do it on my own. I think I'm strong. I think that religion, if you define religion, and some of, some of us were raised in, in a religion like this. Some of you come out of a religion like this. Religion defined as just trying to be godly in your own way, by your own knowledge, by your own ability. So how do we do this? How do we sort of live this way? Is If Paul would say, hey, there's two gospels here. How do we do it? Let me give you some practical ways that you can stand against this. Paul warns this Galatian church, hey, listen, do not let this happen to you. I'm surprised at how quickly you fell into this, these Jewish Christians coming to you. Let me, let me give you the contrast. Let me show you some contrast. Write this in your notes. The first one, if you try to get to God, one of them focuses on what you do. Religion focuses on what you do, how much you pray, uh, uh, when do you pray, what version of the Bible, come on, I'm talking to somebody, what version of the, y'all don't use King James, I don't even know what that is, I don't even need a real version of the Bible you got right there, how, how do you dress, what you don't do, where you don't go, what you believe, listen, religion will always be dogmatic about your doctrine versus my doctrine, our church is better than your church, our church is holier than your church, Every this is the right size church, one of my favorite stories is when we first planted this church about a month after we planted somebody caught me at the back door of the little elementary school where we started next door to here and they said pastor you know the reason I love this church so much they're not here so I can make fun of the way they talk I said tell me why I just love this church so much because it's small I like small churches I looked them right in the eye put my hand on their shoulders I don't normally do that unless I'm gonna hug you but I wanted to help her I put my hand right on, on her shoulders looked her right in the eye and said ma'am you're not gonna like this church for very long I'm telling you right now, you're not going to like this church for very long. But, but religion says this is the perfect size. I, we only sing hymns here. I miss the old hymns. I miss the old stuff. I just wish we'd do the old stuff. I just, I, what, what, it focuses on, uh, listen, the real, the, if you want real Holy Spirit, it, religious people call it Holy Ghost. They, they ain't even Holy Spirit people. If you want the Holy Ghost moving in your church, you got to sing the old hymns. It focuses on what you do. I know, I know you're laughing, but this is true. It focuses on what you do. If you'll do it my way, then it's the right way. 
That's what religion focuses on. Here's what relationship. If you'll eat from that tree of life, I'm, I'm telling you that the most passionate way I can preach this message to you, this is my this is my heart for you as a church. Is that you don't we don't focus on what we don't get married to how we do what we do. We may do it this way this week and next week we'll change everything because this is not about how we do. Listen, we will not get focused on what we do. The other focuses on what Jesus has done. It points people to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about Him wanting a relationship with you. Listen, God is not a behaviorist. Look in my eyes. God is not into behavior control. God wants your heart. And if He can have your heart, everything else follows it. Where your heart is, everything else goes to. That what want religion, if you try to get to God that way, it focuses on what you do. If you try to get to God, this the, 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 what Paul says is the true gospel, the tree of life, that focuses on what Jesus has already done. We were at the park several weeks ago with my kids and my little boy is on the monkey bars and he's going really big and he, and he is so he's so proud of himself. He says, Dada, look what I can do. And, and, he's, and he's asking for my approval. There's nothing wrong. And I cheer him on and tell him about approval. But when we sit down, I tell him, now listen, dude, if you couldn't do the monkey bars because you're short like your mom. Anyway, whatever. So you're short. That, listen, it doesn't make me love you any less or more. In other words, I, I love you just like you are. I've accepted you just like you are, not based on your performance. Look into my eyes. Some of you need to hear God accepts you just like you are, not based on what you can do or what you can't do. It focuses on what Jesus has done for you. Shout amen to that. Jesus has this same exact spirit he deals with. I'm telling you, this has always been the spirit of religion. Matter of fact, Jesus fights the spirit of religion more than he fights anything else. John 5. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. Well, that sounds like a good thing to do, studying my Bible. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you missed the point because these scriptures testify about me. And if all you're doing is reading the Bible to tell everybody you read the Bible and you miss the point, you refuse to come to me, listen, and have life. One focuses on what you do. One focuses on what Jesus has done. Here's the next one. Let me just give you some contrast. Here's the next one. One focuses on getting God's approval. I want God to like me. I want God to be okay with me. I, I, I want I, God. Are you God, I, I, are you mad at me? What do you want from me? I just want to go to heaven. Please, 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 let me go to heaven. I have to keep score because God's keeping score. I, 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 I got to get God's approval. That one way focuses on that, and then, and then the other, the other God, the true gospel. Listen close, the tree of life. It focuses on receiving what God has already done and God's love for you. One focuses on trying to get God's attention. And one focuses on receiving God's love. Romans 5 and 8 says that you were still sinners. I was still a sinner. And God showed His love for me that while I was still messed up in my stuff, Christ died for me. I don't have to get His approval. I have to receive His love. I have to receive what God's done for me. Most, most Christians start in grace and then some well-meaning Sister Susie gets them in the lobby and tells them, now sister, that's good, that's perfect, but you got to stop drinking and smoking right now or you're going to go to hell. Look into my eyes. Don't misunderstand me. God's not interested in that yet. God's interested in your heart now. 
God will deal with you on all of that. I'm trying to get you to God. This church is never going to point our finger at you and tell you some other gospel that you have to do to get to God. I just want to get you to God. Let God deal with all that stuff in your heart. God can do it better than I can. God's more interested in your direction than He is your perfection, getting it all right. Here's here's the last contrast. Write this down and we'll pray. One focuses on external duty, what I have to do. What I, I got I gotta do I want I don't want to do the wrong thing. I want to sin, I want to party, I want to, but I can't because I'm a Christian. I I just you know I I I remember a pastor I heard one time. He was in the pulpit and he and he and he said this. He said, 55 years ago I surrendered to the ministry. Surrendered to the what does that mean? I wanted to have a real job, but instead I became a pastor. I just, I said, listen. I don't have a duty to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to serve God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is not an external duty. Listen, it's an internal desire. I don't live like I live because I have to. I live like I live because I get to. John, 1 John 5 says, "This this is love for God. You want to know how to love God internally and not just external duty? You'll obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. He who has the Son, this is actually one of the the verses of our church that overarching in our church is this verse. He who has the Son has life. Life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I want you to have life. I want you to have life. I want you to have life. You say, how do I do it? Three ways, and I'll let you go. Henry's playing the slow music. That's my cue. Number one, write these three down. you got to fall in love with Jesus. Over the next couple of weeks in this book of Galatians, and really, as your pastor, as long as you call this place home, I want to always point you. I want you to be passionately in love with Jesus. It's why the first vision statement that, that we use to run our entire ministry is I want you to know God. I don't want you to just know about God. I don't just want to, I don't want a church full of theologians. I want a church full of people who are passionately in love with Jesus. I want you to love Jesus with all of your heart. That Jesus paid your debt. That Jesus died for you. That, that, that love is the response for that. Listen, John 14 says, If you love me, then you'll be able to obey what I command. Which side of the comma do you live on? Are you just trying to obey all the commands? Or do you love him with all of your heart? Here's the, here's the second thing. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. And listen, this is important. If you're going to, in the book of Galatians, this is so important. And i got to get this church here. Do not allow condemnation to creep into your life. Condemnation is when you feel unworthy and undeserving and unloved. You want to know? Let me tell you the best way to know if you feel condemnation. Look into my eyes. Especially all of you church folks. Look into my eyes. You don't know how, you don't, you don't know if you're, if you're living in condemnation, you know the best way to know? How do you treat other people when they sin? Because how you treat them, if you condemn them, it's probably because you're living in condemnation. If you point your finger at them, look bad at them, I can't believe. Can you believe? Oh my gosh, look at that, terrible. It's probably because you feel bad. It's probably because you feel unworthy. 
It's probably because you don't think God loves you like you are. No, 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 no. Romans says it like this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, listen, here's the reason why. Because through Him, through Christ, the law of the Spirit, there it is again, gives life and has set you free. Here's the last thing. You're going to have to choose this every day of your life. Galatians, Paul would say. I'm surprised at how quickly somebody misled you into trying to get to God the hard way. I want you to choose every day that God's for you. That God's on your side. That God's with you. That that God accepts you. That God loves you like you are. Don't let anybody convince you of another gospel. Put your notes down. Look at me in the eyes. Don't let anybody convince you of another gospel. Don't let anybody put on you. Don't let religion try to suck the life out of loving God. Listen, I tell our team all of the time, the reason reason I want you to have a great experience at church is because I know, I know, I know that there are people that come into this church today that feel burdened and chained by religion. I want you to come here and have a life-giving experience. This is not going to be a church that puts another gospel on you. No, no, no. We're going to point to Jesus. I'm going to let Jesus handle all of that. I'm going to let Jesus free you from all the sin in your life. I'm going to let Jesus forgive you, wash you, make you clean, make you whole. We're not going to add to or take away anything that Jesus did. Because I really think relations greater, relationships greater than religion. I really think people are searching for relationship over religion. I, I, I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I really think people come to church here for the music and they just stay for the preaching. I would come to church here for the music and stay for the preaching. I love coming to a church where I look around, and sometimes I do it, and Brandy, Brandy she'll grab my arm, because I just look around at you, and I'm crying watching you. Because I know some of you came to church today feeling so unworthy, and religion puts so much on you, you just feel like there's just no way you can ever get to God. And when you get to a life-giving environment like this church, when you get to the tree of life like this church, your hands go up freely and tears fall out of your eyes. You don't even know what's, you know, I don't even know how to describe what I feel right now. I'll tell you what it is. This is the tree of life. You can take and eat freely today. Close your eyes all over the house. No one's stirring or moving for about two more minutes. Today, you can trust Christ to save you. Today, you can put your faith and hope in Him and Him alone. Or you can trust your own ability to get to God. You can trust trying to keep the rules. I don't think you're doing it out of rebellion. I honestly believe your motivation, like Eve, was how do I get to God? How do I become God? How do I fix what's wrong in me? I'm I'm talking to somebody right now that, listen, the Holy Spirit's... Talking to somebody's heart right now, you feel so unworthy and dirty and messed up and broken. There's no way God could accept me. You don't know what I've done. You don't, I, I, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know the divorce I just went through. You don't know, you don't know the breakup. You don't know the problem. You don't know, what's I've, you don't know what I've lived. You don't know the choices I've made. You don't know. You don't know how hard my life's been. You don't know how far I've run. It's easy for you to say, but i got to work my way back. No, no, no. Listen to me today. You don't have to work. You don't have to strive to get there. You just have to receive. 
You just have to freely receive what Jesus has already done for you. He accepts you just like you are. And He loves you too much to leave you like you are. He wants to save you. Not just save you, but fix you and heal you. So if you're in the room today and nobody's looking or moving and you need that kind of freedom today. You've been trying to get to God with the knowledge of good and evil. I've been working my way, trying my best to get there. And I feel so lost trying to do it on my own. If that's you and you want, you want to be included in this prayer, you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in that prayer today. You're about to pray. I want you to raise your hands up boldly all over the room. You feel broken. You feel like I don't know how to get there. I see you. I see hands. I see you. I see you. I see you. So good. So good. Now pray in your own words, however it is that you want to pray, but you got to say something that sounds like this. I'll give you some words to say, Jesus, I need you today. God, in my heart, I'm just trying to get back to you. I, I feel lost and broken and confused. I've tried to keep it right and the rules. and God, I've tried to do it in my own power, and I feel like a failure every time, every day. A failure as a mom, failure as a dad, a failure as a spouse, a failure as a Christian. I feel like I'm failing you on every step of the way. So I come to you today broken and lost, and I need you. God, I set aside all of those rules. God, I, in my heart today, I set aside all of that stuff I tried to do to get to you. And I'm coming to you just like I am. Hurt, confused, broken, sad, depressed. But I need life today. And I believe that because Jesus rose again, I believe because of the resurrection that I can be raised to new life, that I can have life today. So God... I give you my whole heart. Come on, if you've never said that, if you raised your hand or you didn't, I give you my whole heart today. I give you my life today. Save me, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, make me new. Be the Lord of my life. God, I'm not going to go that other way. I'm not going to try to add to or try to get to you my own way. God, I'll just come through Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Come on, everybody in the room, I want you to out loud. So thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. <laughs>